Well, good morning. I feel like there's going to be a large, Matthew, there's going to be an echo up here that's going to get feedback pretty quick-like. Um, hello. Glad to meet you. I'm Paul, and I'm purposely trying to make sure that the sound doesn't echo and, and reverb and, and make my hearing aids break. Uh, well, I hope you guys are doing well. This is the second week of our um, sermon series, beginning with the word of inertia for the whole year. But I just want to let you know we've had a great week, and then um, God is really doing some good things in your lives, and it's a real privilege and an honor to stand in front of this white thing that I'm standing in front of. And I'm going to want to turn with me ultimately to Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2. And so we, last week we spoke, and update you for you who weren't here, we spoke about the word inertia, and, and we've got this happy little friendly ball right here. And what did you name it? Wilbur? Wilbur. That's Wilbur, not Wilson. So some of you might have seen the movie with Tom Hanks, Wilson, where he's stuck on an island. This Wilbur right now is going to be stuck in the church for this year. And so we have Wilbur, and we're going to talk about inertia. And the idea of inertia, as we learned last week, it's a Newton law. There are two aspects of it, and, and really it results around us spiritually for us. We're going to try to apply this spiritually. One, an object will remain one at rest. Wilbur isn't moving. He is completely at rest. And when we think of inertia, sometimes we think of something just being completely stilled unless another object, enough, another force acts upon it. So I'm going to move Wilbur, I being the force, and I can move Wilbur back and forth. And so I'm the external force. And two, um, the law of inertia has to do with going in a straight line. So an object, if it's in motion, will stay in motion until acted upon by another force, it would be in an exact straight line. And a lot of times that was with gravity. And so if I were to throw Wilbur to Vaughn, gravity... Okay, I'll do it. Take it back. See, we had to make an arc in order for Wilbur to do this. And so, um, so gravity and air pressures and stuff like that prevented it from just going in a completely straight line. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at our spiritual life having the straight line inertia towards the cross. Being, having, and been giving motion by the external force of God acting on us, moving us toward him. And I think that every Christian, every Christian wants us. Every Christian wants to grow. I have never met a Christian. You, they, lead, they come to Jesus Christ. They, they're excited about Jesus Christ. They get baptized. And I've never seen a Christian say, well, I'm good enough now. Okay, I've, I've been baptized. I accepted Jesus. I am good. Every Christian that I've met, when they first accept Jesus, they want to grow. Isn't that not true with everyone here? It is absolutely true with everyone here because that's why you're here. You're here because you want to grow. You're here because you want to develop a closer relationship with God. You're here because because something in your life is drawing you toward Christ. When I first became a Christian, you know, I didn't have anybody initially influencing me. Um, The guy who led me to the Lord soon after I became a Christian, the bowling alley coffee shop went bankrupt, and so he went one way, and I went the other way, and I went to school, and so I floundered. It was like Wilbur over here just hanging out, not doing anything. I had in my heart a desire to read the Bible, and so I stole my sister's Bible. That's a contradiction there, right? Okay. Is it good to steal? No. Is it good to read the Bible? Yes. But are you reading a stolen Bible? Uh, Maybe. I don't know. I'm going crazy. Anyways, um, and so I would steal that, and I had a desire, and so I'd listen to some preachers on the radio for the first time in my life. 
And so it was God moving me forward. It wasn't until I found a young college group. I was a young man, probably 19, 20 years old, a young man in a, in a Christian college group where people started to love me and accept me. And they taught me, you know, social cues. They taught me how to, they taught me the Bible. They taught me about giving. They taught me about fellowship. They taught me about learning and, and constantly growing. And so after a couple of years in the college group, I remember thinking, how am I going to keep this pace of going on a trajectory that was really positive? And, and I was going, God, how can I keep that positive pace going? And so some of you might be wondering about that. And so this morning, we're going to come up with seven ways that you can keep your faith strong, but there are also seven roadblocks to your faith, seven roadblocks that, that will prevent you from doing it. I think if we look at the scriptures, all of us long for these all of us long for this kind of a relationship with God. Seeing God constantly, 6-9, it says, The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord will answer my prayers. And, and you know, I, I see Christians are growing. They're going, man, God is answering so many of my prayers. And then another person says, God generously provides. And here, it is the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. This is Abraham talking about the... The, the lamb that God just provided, see, he called the place, the Lord will provide. Abraham trusted God, and God completely provided. On the mount, the Lord shall provide it. And all of us, all of us long to see and have experience. I could go around and see stories on this side, stories in the middle of you all, of God tremendously providing it. Those in the back, six of you in the back wall. I, I, I know stories of all of you where God has provided in miraculous ways. God protects me. You know, in Exodus, it says, God will rescue me from the power of Egypt. And, and, and it's being written by people who were, at one time, they were slaves, they were shackled, they, they were imprisoned under the slavery system of Egypt because Egypt saw the, the, the Jews and they saw them r- rising up in numbers and they said, well, if they get too many, they'll overpower us. And so they enslaved them. And for hundreds of years, they were slaves until Moses, God used Moses to help rescue and redeem the people. And now they're celebrating, and they say, he rescues me from the power of Egypt. Rescued from, if you will, Egypt. Egypt is synonymous sometimes with the world. God gives me my fool, or my fill. Listen to Deuteronomy 8.10. And when you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord for the God, wait, for the good land he has given you. And so, how many times... Before you eat, you look at that meal, whatever it is, and you say, God, thank you for this meal. You've provided it, and he provided it in a safe place to eat it, probably. He's provided it in a good land for you to live in. And, and God gives you this, and, and you see this all the time. And God rescues us. Paul's writing to Timothy at the end of his life, and Paul says this, The Lord will rescue evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. The last part of the last letter of the Apostle Paul that we have, and he's going, God can still rescue me. This tent might be over with, but God can still rescue me. See, and I think that all of us, all of us long for those. All of us desire that. And so if you turn with me to Acts chapter 6, I mean chapter 1, we're going to see that there's a church, a gathering of people who, who are longing, and, and, and God is using in a mighty and powerful way. We're going to spend the next five or six weeks in Acts looking at the prayers of those people. Because I'm going to be honest, sometimes I look at Colton Community Church, not Church Universal, and I think that, that we are stuck. 
I think we're a lot like Wilbur. We're stuck. Look at the numbers, and I watch how many people come. We're 60 to 50 to 70 every Sunday. And we, it, it's, when we get up to 70, something happens, and we come back down to 50, and then we march back up to 70, and we come back down. We're stuck. We have the inertia problem. We're, and then people come and people go, but we have this flow. And, you know, I'm trying to think through, and you guys need to pray, is how do we break the next barrier? How do we grow so that, so that we have new Christians constantly invading us? Wouldn't that be cool? Brand new Christians, people who accepted Jesus Christ invading us like, a, like an army of new believers. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah I, yeah, I look at us and there's not a person in here that I know of that wants the church not to grow. There, there's not a person in here that says, you know, I don't want it to grow. All of us long for it to grow. All of us long to see people come to Jesus. And so this year we're going we're gonna to talk and we're going to try to battle this inertia that Wilbur has right now, the inertia of just holding still. And I think that if we look in the book of Acts, we're going to see that there are seven things, seven things that we do, maybe part of our life that we need to confess, and seven things that we can do that can really help us grow. So let me read it first, and then we'll unpack it. Acts chapter 1, I'm just going to read some verses. Chapters 1, verse 12. Context, this is the beginning. Luke was writing. He wrote all about the life in Jesus, kind of documented who Jesus was, what went on. And now the birth of the church, the church is about ready to be birthed. And then so Luke says, and then the apostles returned from Jerusalem to the hill called Mount of Olives. A Sabbath day's walk from the city, kind of giving a clue that he was first person eyewitness. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to a room, they being the group of followers, we'll see in a second, where they were staying, those presents were Peter and John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son. They all joined in constant, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And so there were the, the apostles, but along with the apostles, there, was, there were other people there. There was James and his brothers. There, there, there were Mary and, and there was Mary and the other women. It says, with other women. There was Mary and the other women there. In other words, there were a group of people that were faithfully meeting. And what were they doing when they were meeting? They were in constant prayer. They were constantly gathering in prayer. So the they is a smaller group. Go to the next page. Holy Spirit comes at the beginning of chapter 2. Peter makes a sermon, kind of verses on. And then, this is the conclusion after Peter's sermon. He goes, with many other words, Peter warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Can we not get an amen for that? Mm -hmm. Those who accepted his message were baptized. In other words, there were some that didn't. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And there were about three thousand were added to their number that day and they devoted we'll get to that in a moment they devoted themselves to the apostles teachings and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayer everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles were together and they had everything in common they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily 
those who are being saved. You know, I think it's true that every Christian wants to grow, and then life happens. I don't get an amen for that, do I? Life happens. When I was working at the blood bank, I'd say the work is fine, except for the life that's happening within the free complex. You know, the church would be great if it was just one person. Me and my sins, I can deal with everybody else and their sins. Oh, no. You guys are the same way, right? Life happens. You're, you're going along, and all of a sudden something happens. Boom. The doctor, you go to the doctor, and it's not good news. You get in an accident. Your car breaks down. Something happens. A relationship is broken. Something happens. I think, I think there are seven things in the book of Acts that if we take what they said and we expound on it, we can see. So seven things to slow our spiritual inertia. We're going, we're going, we're going, we're going, we're, we're going, walking with God. Things are going well. And then pretty soon, pretty soon we stop. And if we're honest, sometimes we retreat. I'm going to have seven blocks of wood, but there are seven colors up here. First thing we see as we look at this and we understand what the text is saying there's a spiritual independence that keep us from growing closer to God. And so think of this as a wall. You've got an independent speak in your life or spot in your life, and, and, and you're kind of done with church. You're kind of done with people telling you what to do. You're kind of done with a pastor. You're kind of done with it. And instead of going anywhere else, you become spiritually independent. You think you've mastered it. You think you know it all. You become spiritually independent. You say, I don't need to be under the authority of the church. I can simply read the Bible on my own. I can simply need to be in the gathering of God's saints. And sure, it, sometimes it's open rebellion. Sometimes you do it, but other times you choose to be independent by saying, wow, the Chargers are playing right now. I wonder what the score is. Wow, you, you know, there's another choice to be made. You know, I can go to Disneyland on Sunday morning, or I can go to church I'm truly going to have more fun at Disneyland and at church. So I've heard, as many, a couple of people I know have gone to church, I'm Disneyland instead of the church. Um, there's a spiritual independence, and pretty soon what became an oddity every now and then becomes a pattern, and pretty soon we see that they are spiritually independent of the church. Lost the church. We've had members of the church slowly, slowly become independent of the church. And I see that happening the next one after this, the yellow box, is they become faithless in prayer. And so here's another wall for them. They become faithless in prayer. What happens is they stop praying. They no longer pray for God to move in a, a difficult and challenging way. They, they, they simply pray over the meal, God, thank you for this meal. But they don't say, God, I want to be uncomfortable. God, God, help me talk to somebody that is different than I am. Help me connect with God in my unbelief. You've become independent. You're not sure that you have unbelief anymore. And, and, and I'm going to say these seven things, and, and you don't have to apply all seven of them. Any one of them could be true. Any one of these things could be true. And these are all taken, if you'll see, they're the opposites of what happened in the book of Acts. And then there's another one. And the next one is this. Distrust of leadership. In the book of Acts, they trusted their leadership. And so if you don't want to grow spiritually, you soon distrust your leadership. You soon start to say, well, why are they doing that? And, and if they're doing that, then I'm not going to give. 
if I, if they do that, then then I then pretty soon you start to grow in distrust of leadership. The history of this church, there was some animosity in in the leadership. Um, fortunately, it's not super prevalent today, from what I understand, based upon our meetings that we have together. There's not a lot of yelling and screaming, and so that's good, but. You got to watch: Are you trustful of leadership or not? Intellectual apathy. Intellectual apathy. You stop caring anymore about spiritual things, about what's going on in your life. You're going to see that this is the opposite. These things are the exact into the growing church, and so there's some spiritual apathy. Yet you, you just really stop caring. You stop having your devotions. You stop praying. You stop, you stop going to church. Maybe you stop connecting with other people. Is there a spiritual apathy? And that was not true of the early church. And the next one is a commitment to fellowship or a lack thereof. And so pretty soon, in order to grow, you need to be committed to fellowship. And there are some people that are not. Fellowship is more than just two people sitting in a car being Christians. You know that, right? Just because you're in a car with another Christian does not mean that you're having fellowship. Fellowship is two or three or a group that are encouraging each other spiritually, challenging each other spiritually, talking about spiritual things, coming alongside of one another, engaging with one another. You know, we have a fellowship hall. And you can have a dinner. You can have a dinner. You can. We've had many potlucks, but that doesn't mean that you have fellowship in the fellowship hall. It just means that you got together with a couple of Christians and you sat at the table and you ate. Fellowship, koinonia. It's a bonding of your life together, mingling of your life together. We try to do that with the midweek Bible studies. We try to do that on Sunday mornings, where life is sharpening life. Life is coming alongside one another because it really has to be more than simply understanding a text. There's two more to deal with, and the next ones who are not growing spiritually. And so all of a sudden, you have friends, and your friends that you have are not friends that are helping you grow spiritually. The friends that you have are friends that are, that are, are worldly. They're, they're not, maybe they're not even Christian. Maybe they don't think Christianese. They, they don't talk Christianese, and so pretty soon your language reflects that of your friends. Studies after studies show that if you put you put a, bad, a, a good person with a group of bad people, the, the infection goes and it affects the good person. The values of the good person get corrupted, get compromised. And it's not that the good person influences the group of bad people. It's the, group, the person, the good person. I said this a couple of years ago and it's been remembered by you, is, is if you want to grow spiritually, you've got to ditch your lowest friend. And many of you have quoted that. You've got five friends you got to figure out which one's, which one's the anchor on your spiritual journey, which one's the anchor on your spiritual life. Well, go find somebody that can, that can help raise you a bit and spend less time with the person bringing you down. And then, then all of a sudden, the mathematical numbers of those people helping you grow will change. And then the last one here is, has to do with resources. You're growing spiritually. If you don't want to grow spiritually, what you do is you keep a tight fist on your resources. You don't share your resources. You hold on to your resources, your resources. So God has given you some resources. Your time is a huge one. Time is the one, probably the most valuable resource you can give, and you're tight-fisted with that because you don't want to share it. Your talents, the, 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 the gifts that God has given you, and then, of course, your treasures, your, re, your financial resources. How are you doing at sharing 
your financial resources, sharing those things. Well, all of those are, are the opposite of what happened in the early church. Let me take Wilbur back to the beginning and we'll see how this works. Wilbur is at the beginning. He's there. He's sitting. He's having a good time. He just recently became a Christian. What does he do when he becomes a Christian? Wilbur devotes himself to the... T- I want to pay attention to that word, devote yourself. It says they all joined together constantly. It says that they devoted themselves. Devoting has the idea, it's a Greek word, implies motion, thus the arrows. It implies direction. You're going somewhere. It means that you are on a course of action. You are on full committed to the cause, the person, or the object. This is a great weekend to talk about being devoted to yourself. Because some of you, and you're going to watch the football playoffs today, next weekend, in a couple of weeks during the Super Bowl, and you're going to see some pretty devoted football fans, right? They're going to see some, I don't want to talk about the cheese heads that are, but there are other people that are committed to watching their teams. <laughs> right? And, and, um, and you're, just, you're, you're not just a fan. See, I'm a fan of football. And, and so I watch it more during the playoffs than in any other team. But I'm a fan. If, if the NFL were to dissolve this weekend, my life wouldn't be any different. Uh, you know, and so I'm a fan, I enjoy it, but I'm just a fan. I'm not a devoted fan of football. I haven't spent, the one time I went to a professional football game, I think somebody else bought the ticket, so I haven't spent any real money on any football paraphernalia. I, I, and I don't spend a lot of time if the family has a, I'll do the family obligation over the top of a football game, but I enjoy the football game, right? A lot of us are like that with Jesus, though. There are people that we know that are fans of Jesus, what they do is they, yay, all right, Jesus, you did well. And they cheer him on, but, but, but they haven't really spent any time, treasures, or talents with him. And truly, if they were honest with themselves, if the church were to disappear, they'd say, well, maybe I have something else to do on a Sunday morning. That hurts, doesn't it? That hurts when all of a sudden you go, well, there are some people that are fans of Jesus, but they're not fully devoted followers of Jesus. They, they, they come to Jesus when they need something, but that's about it, like the priorities that he has for their life. So before we get much farther, we're gonna, I'm going to challenge you at the end to examine, are you a fan or are you a fully devoted follower of Jesus? If Jesus, if you're a fully devoted follower of Jesus and you've made him Lord of your life, then these next seven things are going to be really easy. And I want you to think through these next seven things in your handouts. There's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday on your handouts. And I want you to pray for each one of them. I want you on Monday to pray for the thing that's on Monday. I want you on Sunday to pray for the thing on Sunday and say, Lord, help me be devoted to this. Lord, help me be devoted to this. I don't want to be just a f- I don't, I, don't, I don't want to be just a fan of coming to church and saying, yeah, I went to church. I, I met my God quota for the week, and that's it. I want us to, be, to give our heart, our mind, our, our, our soul to Jesus Christ, and whatever he tells us to do, we're there. Amen! Come on! Come on! We're there! Okay, so let's look at Sunday. Sunday, I want you to pray. Devote yourself um, to the regular, of the, of the, to the, of the, whatever that says. Devote yourself to the regular gathering of the saints. 
Devote yourself to the regular gathering of the saints. And I'm not saying that you have to be here every Sunday. Gathering of the saints. The beauty of church is you can't replicate it. You can watch a sermon online, but you're not in the room with people that you don't know. The beauty is, is that there are some people in this church who might, might be new, might never have met anybody else, and yet they can sing Christ the Lord Cornerstone together in unity. You can sing and you can hear and you can pray together. Sunday, devote yourself to the regular gathering of the saints. That's what the early church did. They all joined together. Everyone was filled with awe and all the believers were together together. In other words, they were watching, they were participating, they were engaged in that is that is the first one you need to do. And so so first of all, make a commitment to devote yourself this year to the regular gathering of the saints. And if you know saints that should be here, encourage them to come. If you know saints in your family that are are kind of fans of Jesus, bring them. And together, we're going to help them make a commitment to Jesus. Bring them. Sundays, Monday, devote yourself to faithfully praying. And they all joined together constantly in prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. And remember, it, prayer has about the idea is that you're moving forward. You're going in a direction. You're, and so it isn't just prayer over a meal. That's good. There are three ways that you ought to pray. You ought to pray persistently. Persistently. Watchfully. Keeping alert. And then you need to pray thankfully. And they all gave thanks. Persistently pray. Is your life hallmarked as being a life of prayer? And you know how people are going to know if you're a person who prays? They're just going to talk to you and you're going to say, oh, when I was praying about this, oh, I was praying about that, oh, I, I was praying in the course of a conversation, not bragging, not being bodacious or anything like that. You were just, you're just sharing what you're praying about. It's a, it's a way that you share with people that you're praying for them. You be persistent in praying. Don't give up. Be the widow at God's door, knocking and knocking, and say, God, answer this prayer. God, answer this prayer. God, answer this prayer. I want us to be a church that prays persistently. I want us to be a church committed to being together with the saints. I want us to be a church that is devoting ourselves to leaders. And so we say, you know, there might be some things that leadership does. And I might or might not agree with it, but I'm committed. You know, it broke my heart at the beginning, at the beginning of the Christmas season when we did an, an, a call for you all to come out and meet the people in Colton. And come out and, and just meet and, and share and invite people to church. For the, it, it really, one of the things, one of my more painful experiences was that day. I invited the church for a couple of weeks to come on the day that Colton lights the lights. And to my knowledge... Only like three people showed up. That's it. Um, my family and Trevon's family. That's it. We invited you guys to come. And who else? Yeah, yeah. So they were in the parade. So they did it, you know. And, and so, but, the, but, you know, the church invited to come, do something uncomfortable as a leader, challenging you guys to come. As a leader, y'all didn't. And it broke my heart that that didn't happen. So sometimes we need to do some things that are uncomfortable. And my job and Rich's job and Larry's job sometimes is to challenge us to be uncomfortable. To challenge us 
to say, is that where God wants us to be? Is that, is that what God's calling us to do? Is that how God is asking you to live? And, and we seek the most comfortable spot. And as leaders, sometimes we need to bring things before you and we need to ask you to do some things that are uncomfortable. Because faith is not faith unless there's an aspect of uncomfortableness about it. No one amen to that. Okay. Okay, next. On Wednesday, I want you to pray. I want you to devote yourself to continually learning. Listen, and when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. These are the non-Christians. They heard Peter speak. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter, brothers, what should we do? And they committed themselves to listening and to learning from Peter. And so, and so why? Why does Rich and Larry and Amy, why do they spend time teaching on Sunday mornings? Why do, why do they get here and, and they do prep before they get here? Uh, Rich spends hours prepping before he gets here. Larry and Amy do too. And, and why do they do that? Because they are committed to your spiritual growth. Oh, they are. They are absolutely committed. Frank on Tuesday, me on Wednesday, absolutely available and committed to seeing you grow. They continually devoted to your learning. I want to challenge you this year to be able to measure that. To be able to say, you know what, I, I, I came and, and I wasn't a regular participant, and now I'm a regular participant. At the end of the year, you're going, wow, look, I have learned so much. And be faithful to it. If you're going to come Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, be faithful to it. You're going to come Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, be faithful. Wednesday night, Tuesday night, Friday night. Be faithful so that at the end of the year, at the end of the year, you're going to go, wow, I have learned so much. They devoted themselves Pray about how you can devote yourself to continually learning. Thursday, pray about continual fellowship. About continual fellowship. And so pray and and connect with other Christians who are also growing. That's what they did. It said they broke bread in their homes. And so they invited people into their house. They broke bread and they, they, they ate together and they remembered with Jesus. And they ate their food with gladness and with generous hearts. And so it wasn't a case where they're going, oh, I, you are welcome to my house, but I'm really stingy. They were generous towards each other, constantly giving. And they're praising God and having goodwill toward all the people. Church, this year, as we begin to look, as we begin to move the inertia ball, we begin to move Wilbur from one second. All of these don't need to apply to you, though. Just pick one, pick two, and say, this year, this is what I'm going to work on. If you try to pick everything, you might be overwhelmed. Just pick one. Say, this year, I'm going to be devoted to praying. Or this year, I'm going to be devoted to, to fellowship. Or this year, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to start learning more. Fridays, devote yourself to significant friendships. Devote yourself. Give yourself a significant friend to be part of. Find a good friend. to Hold yourself accountable. Nobody in this room can do the spiritual life by themselves. Nobody. You need somebody in your life to come alongside you, to encourage you. We ourselves up so often that we need somebody that says, you know what, I believe in you. I trust you. I, I really like you. You're my friend. Let's do this together. We, we need people in our lives to stimulate and, and be able to come in our lives and earn the right to be able to say, Paul, Paul, you know, you're a little off there. Or Paul, that's, a, that's bad thinking, Paul. And for Paul to be able to say, you're right, as I do to Steve many times on Fridays, you're right, I need to grow in that area. You know, devote yourself to a significant friendship. 
epidemic of loneliness in the Christian church. How many good friends do you have? How many good friends do you have that you're not married to? A really good friend that you're not married to, that holds you accountable, that, that challenge you with your relationship with your husband, with your relationship with your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend. How many significant friendships are holding you and building you up? May this year be a year in which you grow with significant. You only need two, maybe three. You don't need a lot. Just do you have friends that are helping you grow spiritually, helping you, helping you progress? So at the end of the year, you can look back and say, wow, God faithfully answered that prayer. Maybe you're going to persistently pray. God, I'm going to persistently pray because I'm lonely. And if anybody in the church knew I was lonely, they'd be surprised because I'm so relational. I've got so many friends. And, 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 but truth is, honestly, you don't have any friend who honestly knows you. And so this year, you're just going to begin to pray, God, bring somebody into my life that can be my friend, that can really know me well. I, I want to be part of a church where friends are connecting in a deep, significant way. And then on Saturday this week, I want you to devote yourself to releasing your resources. The church grew, and when the church grew, people were generous with their resources. All who believed were together had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and, distrib- and, dib- and distribute proceeds to anyone and to all who had need. They, they released their resources. Maybe this year is a year you say, I'm going to start faithfully giving to God. And, and giving to God is an act of faith. And so you might be somebody who only gives a token amount. And, and that's it. And so step your faith and say, I want to give a measurable amount. Measurable amount. And say, I'm going to measure how much I give. And then you work up to where, to where you're giving. And you're giving more and more generously. Because you've grown in your faith to do that. So this year, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to get inertia to go in a straight line. I'm tired of inertia as a holding us still. And we're kind of somewhere down here. Got to use the block because to hold it together, we're, we're kind of there. How excited would you be at the end of the year to see an invasion of new Christians? How many people want to see an invasion of new Christians in this church? Amen. How do we do that? We pray. How do we do that? Do that not only do we pray, we, we gather together with the saints. We faithfully constantly do it. We, we also trust our leaders. Not only that, but we continually learning. We're making an object for ourselves. We're engaged in fellowship. We have deeper friendships. We're giving of our resources. Church of Jesus Christ, we can see God. And I'm going to watch God do miracles in you this year. So, if you've written them down, pick one or two. Pray about them. And say, Lord, Pastor Paul said there were seven things that, that we need to work on, that I need to work on. What is one of those that you need to work on that you need to say, God, forgive me? God, forgive me. Forgive me for being independent. Forgive me for not praying. Forgive me for distrusting the leaders. Forgive me for my intellectual apathy. Forgive me for my lack of commitment to fellowship. Forgive me for the friends that I have. They're not growing spiritually. God, did with my resources. For some of you, you need to say, God, I'm sorry. And I'm going to spend time in prayer, and, and you can do that. And then others of you are going to go, God, 
now I've got an area to work on. This year, 2019, is going to be the year that, that I see you work a miracle in my life. And then we're going, to take, we're going to see God do amazing things in each other's life. You guys ready? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this church just heard your word about the new, the fresh church in Acts 2 and 1. Lord, there are some things in, in all of our lives that we need to work on. I know and I believe, Lord, that you spoke to our hearts. There is in this that we need to confess and we need to say we're sorry. Lord, forgive us for, for being people who have lacked faith. Lord, forgive us for being people who are tight-fisted with our resources. Forgive us, Lord, for the friends that we have kept that, that don't help you. Forgive us, Lord, for our apathy, for sometimes not caring that much, for our, the way we speak and the way we talk about the leaders, for being faithless in prayer, Lord, forgive us. Lord, forgive us for being independent of you and of others spiritually. I ask that, that you would work in this body. I pray, Lord, that you would work in every heart here. They long to see the invasion of new Christians in this body. Lord, we're going to need everyone here in order to accomplish that. I know, Lord, that you want to do a big thing in Colton. You've opened up the doors to the leadership in Colton, to the schools, to the police and the fire and the civic government and others, Lord. Now, Lord, since you've opened the doors, may we walk through and may we harvest what has been prayed for for years, the souls of the waiting saints to hear the message. In your precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.